Vampire Weekend was not a band built to headline Madison Square Garden, but they did. And on September 6, 2019, the band headlined the most famous venue in the world with a blistering 32-song set list. Their longevity as a mainstream rock powerhouse is just as shocking as their overnight rise as the bloggers' favorite band. Vampire Weekend outlasted their time as a punchline. They became the focal point for the rise of hipster culture, social media, and pretentiousness that filtered into the mainstream zeitgeist. The foundation for this global powerhouse was laid on their first record. The Ivy League had never become more accessible than it was on Vampire Weekend's first album. With that in mind, it's only reasonable to say that Vampire Weekend's first album, their self-titled masterpiece, is an art school album. Welcome to Art School Albums. I am your host, Case Lowe, and today a very special guest is sitting across from me. It is Tally Dooley across from me to discuss the first Vampire Weekend record, self-titled, by the way, the self-titled Vampire Weekend record. Tally, how are you? Oh, Case. I'm good. I'm chilling. Um, it's cold and it's wet outside. It's awful. It's really bad. It's not good. So, Tally, I wanted to have you on this podcast for a few reasons. First of all, I consider you a dear friend. <laughs> Um, I see the feelings, not mutual, <laughs> but I, I'm kind of fascinated by the way you look at music because I have had guests on the show and I will have guests on the show that I think line up very similar to me and mm -hmm. the way we listen to stuff, the way we consume stuff. <laughs> and I think just the general way that we think about music, you are someone that consumes a lot of music, but maybe does it in an entirely different way that I do. Yeah. So how would you describe the music you listen to, first of all? Um, that's really difficult. I, I'm not like a big music person. Like, I'm not one of those people that's like, I don't really like music because those people are psychopaths. Yeah, for sure. But I've never been someone who like really knows music and knows facts about music or knows like artists by name and I didn't listen to things by album until like kind of recently I kind of always had my friends or sister like make playlists for me and I listen to like individual songs a lot yeah because we do come from like an iPod generation yeah, to right. where you don't have to listen to the entire album if you right. don't want to we were somewhere in between records where it's just the one album versus have you ever yeah. have you ever bought a CD oh yeah Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You have you? I, I have bought a ton of CDs. Because, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I still don't. I don't still, but yeah. I when I was a kid, we bought CDs a lot. I still have so many CDs in my house. Okay, because I'm someone who, I mean, I got an iPod in first grade, mm -hmm. which my mom was not happy about and still brings stuff constantly. <laughs> um, but I didn't buy physical music until I was 15 or 16 and started collecting records. Like I've never, that's crazy. I've never bought a CD. Which is just weird. But again, it was all, for me, it was all digital and mostly singles up until about 16 right. when I really got into just the idea of the album. Yeah. Well, a big thing we did at my house, too, was my mom would burn CDs for us. Okay. So I don't know how she did it, but she would download songs on, like, Napster or whatever. <laughs> and then would make CDs for us and then she would label them and she'd be like for my best little middle child girl tally and it was like whatever songs I liked like Spice Girls and Aaron Carter and like yeah weird. so stuff like that so that was kind of 
maybe foundational listing. What are you listening to a lot now? Um, okay, so I have like a, a kind of like vendetta against sad music. Okay, so this is where <laughs> this we is have where... a crossroads immediately. <laughs> yeah, I so I think before I find out <laughs> what you're listening to, thanks for coughing under the mic right there. I um, literally turned away. <laughs> um, what's your issue with sad music? Okay, I don't understand why anyone listens to sad music. Like genuinely and like fundamentally, like why is that something you'd want to do? Well, a lot of it relates to what I'm feeling. Okay, but, like, why would you want to think about how you're sad all the time? Like, well, I'm clinically sad yeah. case. And like, <laughs> just, just so we're clear? Just so we're clear. Like, a doctor told me, like, yeah, you're sad. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, okay, weird flex, but go weird ahead. Flex. Um, but, like, in my head, I've like just, like, trained myself, like, to not intake anything that then is, like, sad or even, like, scary or, like, drama like i mean i do all the time with like movies and tv and stuff but with music it's like music is so good at making you feel sad and it's like if i'm already like kind of clinically sad and then i'm just like walking around on campus and it's like what do i want to listen to and i was like <laughs> it was something sad like the smiths yeah i'd be so like I, why would I want to do anything or, like, keep walking or go to class or do anything, well, you know? Well, first of all, if you're walking around the city of Chicago and you have on sad music uh, in your headphones, it creates a music video-like experience that I highly recommend. Well, Case, <laughs> maybe you should consider the fact that my sadness isn't like a music video and it's chronic and I'm trying to ignore it. Hey, the chronic, good album. Um <sighs> But no, there's a lot of stuff that like, I just, I think I can relate to in a way, like there was an album that came out this summer that at some point I would love to discuss on the show, uh, written by David Berman and it was this album called Purple Mountains. And it's a tragic album, um, given the circumstances that unfortunately followed its release, but also oh, just yeah. the songwriting is, I mean, it's just horribly sad. But it, it, they were my songs of the summer. I mean, it was what I listened to because it kind of kept me company. And that's part of, like, I don't consider myself to be a sad person. I mean, I think just like anybody else, we all go through whatever we go through. And there were times in my life where I definitely was. But, like, currently, mm -hmm. I don't consider myself to be a sad person. But most of the music that I like is by tortured artists or tortured souls, or whatever it is that just happened to produce these sad works. I also find a lot of humor in it. Like, that's yeah. one of the things that I think is not discussed, especially, like, you mentioned the Smiths earlier, because mm -hmm. I have a whole thing with them. Um, <laughs> but, like, I think the Smiths, for as sad as they are, I think they're hilarious. Like, I think most of their lyrics are really, really funny, and it just so happens, like, David Berman's the same way. Like, people look at him as, like, this sad poet, um, and this horribly depressed guy, which was true, but he was also really, really funny, and I don't necessarily subscribe to, like, comedic music. Like, I don't, right. like mesh with song parodies or anything like that but when the writing is either so horribly depressive that it's funny or that there are just witty lines in there i really enjoy that sort of thing and i i like fully understand that i think and i can relate to that like but i intake that medium much more through movies and books okay and i think that it's because i can kind of control how i feel about it but like 
even though I'm not like a big like music person, like I don't know a bunch of facts and everything, like I think I am most affected by like music, you know, like it will set my mood like a lot. Um, and like with movies and TV, like I've learned to be able to like shake them off. But even like sometimes when I see something that's like super like deep and impactful and whatnot, and I'm kind of just like in a fuzz for a while, but I just like... I feel like what you were saying with the whole like music video thing, it's just for me, it's like, why would I want the soundtrack of my life right now? Yeah. Like the soundtrack of your misery almost. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but like, that's the thing too, is like, for me, it's, it's all about like, um, what's the word? Uh, like how it showed off. Like I have realized that some of my favorite songs like, if you actually listen to them, are, like, really sad. Yeah. But they just, like, have a fun little poppy tune to it. So then I'm, like, I'm hooked, you know, and I'll like it. One could say that is the entire Smith's discography. <laughs> but that is a conversation for another time. <clears throat> I think the Smith's discography. <laughs> what was that word? Discography. Discography. Discog. Okay. Yep. I think Their music. the Smith's music is sadness overplayed by whining. Thank okay. you Hot very take. much. So do you ever worry that like the music you like, let's say you get into a new band or let's mm-hmm. say that you have a song that is maybe a sad song kind of mm-hmm. masked and poppiness. Do you ever fear that you are going to be pretentious or perceived that way for liking such a thing? For liking sad music? Or just any like any new band? Um. Oh, yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. I, I used to... F- I mean, I kind of feel that way about Vampire Weekend sometimes because I'm like, if I tell people that Vampire Weekend is like my favorite everything, like, am I just going to be one of those girls? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. kind of, you know. But what but what, what to you is one of those girls? Just like... And you can be mean. No. <laughs> I mean, like, first, like, art school girls who think they're so different for liking Vampire Weekend when yeah. they're like a very popular band. They just played Madison Square Garden. Yeah. yeah. And they, like, have made albums over years and years and have stayed pretty relevant. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that, like, it's like, I don't know how many they have now, like, four guys. Yeah. Um, from Colombia and they sing about like vacationing in Cape Cod and it's like <laughs> you couldn't be more privileged you know yeah for sure and I'm like oh I like them like yeah like, well then I don't know I just that's the thing it's like I don't know where my opinions come from I genuinely listen to things and I'm like my body just immediately is like yes I like this or no I hate this well I think we have that same thought of not wanting to be perceived as mm-hmm. this someone or something we just happen to go about it in two different directions because <laughs> I will hear something like, I'm going through this with Billie Eilish right now, who mm. I think the first time I heard her was actually in your car, and I <laughs> heard this bass explosion, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa yeah, what, what, is everybody okay? Yeah. Um, but like, I, it's not necessarily my kind of music, but mm-hmm. I also really respect what she does, and I kind of like it a lot yeah. sometimes, Yeah. and I'm going through that of like, well, I don't. I don't want to be like one of those people that likes this artist that is streamed by millions right. that is very, very popular. <laughs> so I tend to go into like, oh, I bet you've never heard of this band. And like, oh, here's mm. this album that nobody's ever heard of. Right. And I I think maybe it's fair to say that you just dive into the opposite direction and you maybe go towards more harmless music. Oh, because 100%. Like, we've been together in social situations, and you've been playing music, and I've told you, like, Tally, 
I'm enjoying this playlist, but I literally have no idea what's coming on next. I'm like, what, what, would, yeah. what would an example be of stuff that you have on? Well, okay, I go through phases. Um, most recently, I've had a playlist that I call Goldies, which are just my favorite songs from, like, the 70s. Um, and, like, Sister Golden Hair by... Um... <laughs> See, I don't know. Um, it's by America, I think. Um, yeah, no, that's, I think that I think you played that for me. I yeah. think I really enjoyed it. And that's become like one of my favorite songs and I played it all summer and I'm still liking it now, but I can feel myself slowly moving away from that playlist. But I Do you also, burn like, yourself out on music a lot? Oh, or are you constantly yes. changing? Is there Honestly. anything I mean, Vampire Weekend's been around for 11 years now, yeah. and I get the sense that maybe you've listened to them kind of the entire way through. Yeah. But are you someone that, like, if you looked at the music you were listening to last year, it's completely different from what you've got on now? A hundred percent. And it changes, like, not even with years, but, like, with months and sometimes weeks, you know? like Yeah. And I I have a hard time, like, going back and listening to that because then I, I feel like I tired myself out, and then I, like, I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I listen to that song so much, like, I don't even like it anymore, and then... One day I hear it and I'm like, oh yeah, that was that's a good song. I like that song. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's why I've always said Vampire Weekend is my go-to because I've never gotten tired of it. Like I'll always throw on Vampire Weekend if I don't know what else to play. So when was the first time you heard of them? <sighs> um, I can't remember the like first first time I heard of them. I know the first song that I knew was Oxford Comma. Okay. And where do you stand on? Oxford commas. Are you pro or against? Uh, okay, the actual like grammatical thing. I'm yeah. very pro Oxford okay, right? commas because you're factually incorrect yeah. if you don't use one. Why it would completely, you not put one there? Like, it completely that make... changes the meaning of the sentence. <laughs> uh, completely. I'm glad um, we could agree on that. At thank least. you. Yeah. And I know that they wrote that song about like there was like a Facebook group. Yeah, exactly. There was a, a Facebook <laughs> group at Columbia University called the Preservation of the Oxford Comma. Yeah, and they were like, "Who gives a fuck about it?" Yeah. But Which you I, know do. What? I do. Yeah, I do. I do. Like Vampire Weekend, like I get it, but like I do. Yeah. So, like you kind of alluded to earlier, <laughs> this is a very privileged band with a very privileged upbringing. A hundred percent. And they were mocked at the time, and and you know their first single was the the lead single off of their debut album. Which actually, let's hear a little bit of that right now. This is Mansard Roof off of the first Vampire Weekend record. I see a Mansard Roof through the trees. Salty message written in the east The ground beneath my feet The hot garbage and concrete Now the tops of buildings I can see them too So that's Mansard Roof. That was the debut single by this band. This was the first that anybody had heard of Vampire Weekend that came out and immediately created buzz, maybe almost similar to what the Strokes did a few years <laughs> earlier when they had this, I mean, they had this giant following basically from the UK press. And by the time they put out their first record, it was a known commodity in America that you, this was the new it band and Vampire Weekend felt very similar because um, they had, you know, this song, which gained some buzz within the pitchforks and the stereo gums of the world. And then before you know it, they have, you know, A-Punk, which is in Step Brothers. Mm -hmm. That's in uh, Guitar Hero as well. And this band that was made up of preppy hipsters became kind of a, an overnight success in a way. So what do you think about Mansard Roof? Um, I really like Mansard Roof. Um, I think it's a great way to start the album. Okay. Just like right off the bat. Um, I don't know. I think it's a good song. I also made... Um, 
a ranking yeah. of the songs. Yeah, let's do that um, at the very end. Okay. So that way, yeah, that way we know. But Mansard Roof is, is pretty high up there. So do you, you like this song as an opener? Yeah, I really do. Okay, because I, as I listened to this album all the way through, I started having an issue with some of the song sequencing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think this should be the first song on the record. And I just, I, I have you ever listened to an album and thought about the track listing at all? Because I think that maybe says something about us if you haven't. <laughs> um, I have, I have. Okay. Um, because I've spent hours upon hours like flipping songs back and forth in right. like my own playlist of like, this album is good, but it would be great if it had my touch on it. If it was it. like this. Yeah. See, I'm more one of those people where it's like, I have, like <laughs> going back to when my mom would burn CDs for me, it like instilled this thing where like you, like it was kind of like you knew it as one long song. So like when one song ended, instantly into your head pops in the next song before it even starts playing. Yeah, that makes So I sense. definitely have like albums like that where after one song finishes, in my head, I'm ready for the next one, even if I don't even like know necessarily which name or which one it is. For like sure. I, I, I don't memorize what songs are in which order, um, like you probably do, you little nerd. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a lot of time on my hands. Right. Um, but like I could, you know, you you remember which one is next, just like as like a physical memory kind of. Um, so when it doesn't play in order. It kind of throws me off. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. Of If you've got a playlist with a lot of your favorite songs on it, but it's in shuffle or something, yeah. then it's a little jarring, maybe. Right. Maybe that's the extreme version of it. Maybe <laughs> maybe not everything takes, you know, maybe not everyone takes everything so seriously <laughs> right. like I do. But I completely understand what you're saying. Right. So Oxford Comma is track two. We alluded to this earlier. This is a song that was inspired off of a Columbia University Facebook group uh, titled The Preservation for the Oxford Comma. And singer Ezra Canning obviously had some issues with it. So here's a little bit of Oxford Comma. comma obviously a literary title i think these guys were showing off their columbia university background which is education yeah maybe not a traditional rock star move to brag about how educated you are (laughs) no 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 i think that really spawns something where if you look at like the timeline of alternative music and you look at what was different this really ushered in kind of a new wave because if you want to follow like a loose timeline you had your 60s of like Lou Reed Velvet Underground Mm -hmm. you carry that into the 80s and sort of college rock REM replacements and then your new wave goth stuff Cure Smiths Depeche Mode whatever (laughs) Um, alternative hits big in the 90s Nirvana Pearl Jam we know all of that and then by the late 90s we see um, like Skate Punk and Blink-182 and those sort of Mm -hmm. bands take over which leads us into really the first time that emo ever hit mainstream. Right. So your My Chemical Romances of the World. And Heck then yeah. there was this like dead period where like alternative 
got really commercial, I guess you could say, because the alternative bands of the 2000s, I guess, would be like your Nickelbacks and <laughs> those type of bands. But what we see with Vampire Weekend is it kind of ushers in like a hipster movement mm-hmm. uh, you know, this band and Matt and Kim. Matt and Kim, I was literally yeah. about to say, yeah. And like the shins and these bands that like, for me, my exposure to them was hearing them on like MTV2. Like they, sure. would, they would play yeah. music videos at like six in the morning when I was mm-hmm. getting ready for school. And it would, I like, I heard cameras by Matt and Kim a lot on That's MTV2. That is a good song. That's a good song. <laughs> but so first of all, hipsters. Yeah. Is the age of the hipster dead in your mind? Like, what? what is the current hipster? That's hard. I feel like hipster was supposed to be a relative term for, like, alternative yeah. culture. But then it got, like, specifically attached to one type of alternative culture, which was the, like, kind of, like... Ivy League-ish, like, bragging about how smart you are. But also like like beards and and knowing things before other people and like God, not that was really a bad, caring. That was a bad trend in America when everybody <laughs> had a long beard and, and like they like cared lumberjack about it. style. Yeah, yeah, I hated that. And like knowing things before other people and like being wealthy and really educated, but like not wanting that lifestyle. Yeah, you know, yeah. and just white people in general. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's that's a good point of of being all of these things and then not necessarily like admitting that you were wealthy right like you would occupy wall street but you were also making like six figures or something i feel like working on wall street yes exactly i feel like that represented a lot of what hipster culture would be and i struggle now as someone that is still very much invested in the idea of alternative music even if alternative music in 2019 maybe doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. of like what the next wave of that is right and as weird as it sounds the like the emo rap stuff that's been going on is the next wave of this a hundred percent i i think emo rap and i think even some sort of like edm like yeah like they've become kind of their like own little pushed aside like that was supposed to be like everyone makes jokes about how the new age of music is just like electronic beats with nothing that anyone can make you know but that isn't actually what's really popular popular music has been like basically the same for years um which is a shame which is a shame yeah none of that top 40 nonsense on this Mm -mm, podcast i want no no part of it um some of them are good you should give it a try (laughs) (laughs) hey billy eilish hey they're popular because they're popular you know (laughs) but i like i bring up the emo rap thing because i brushed it off at first and i'm someone that likes being in front of certain trends and ignoring Mm -hmm. others and i this was one that i chose to ignore Mm -hmm. and then it stuck around for just long enough to where i was like all right i'll i'll listen to it i'll indulge myself and it's not necessarily something that i enjoy right but i i completely understand it which i wasn't expecting to and you're like with it now like you know what it is i at least respect it and i think a lot of that mirrors vampires weekend vampire weekends rise where it just came at this time of blogs and <laughs> the the web was starting to get really social but it was yeah. in its infancy and vampire weekend became a punchline almost oh yeah but they outlived that punchline and mm-hmm. you know now now and they're put like out four pretty albums legit they're, you know they're, yeah. they're rock stars now i mean one could argue they are the biggest rock band in the world depending on you know like if you want to count like the Foo Fighters, sure. Right. But in terms of like modern rock bands, modern, yeah, yeah. No, that's like a big vampire. Thing. There's not a lot of like, like big 
everyone knows bands except you know unless you like count the like bts like k-pop stuff yeah. which like i'm not into um okay. yeah <laughs> like like one direction had their whole like thing you know where yeah. everyone was like in one direction but i mean they're still like i guess maybe i'm just like older now and so i don't know what like young kids are popular i just i don't know i feel like everyone's sort of like abandoned the concept of like everyone loves this one thing it's very tough i think as odd as like i don't know if it's odd to say but like taylor swift resonates with everybody yeah like everybody I mean, she, knows yeah. when taylor swift puts out a new that's album. true everyone does know taylor swift but but media she was bigger before you yeah know? but media as a whole has become so splintered off and segregated yeah. that you could listen to you know an artist that has a million streams a month on spotify and i might not know who yeah, it is none of my friends would like know who that yeah, is that, that yeah. just happened to me um i was reading about an artist who had a fiasco in houston won't get mm -hmm. into it but i was like who's this dude why should anybody care and then i look and he's got you know songs with 13 million streams on right. spotify i'm like i've never right. heard of this guy before so then that kind of does support the concept that like is the the groundwork of alternative music like kind of gone like is everything kind of alternative yeah to I, I ultimately probably yeah because everything is so different unless you are really one of those and i don't i mean i'm not i don't want to throw anybody under the bus but you know bruno mars has a career designed <laughs> to keep him in the top 40 you know charts exactly who you're <laughs> throwing under the bus here bruno mars <laughs> has a career designed to keep him in the top 40 charts 100 percent. and whatever is in at that moment which mm -hmm. can shift but is still relatively the same he's going to do that thing and i i think that's just kind of the reality that we're in is everything is just slightly alternative but nothing is really game changing right. with the exception of maybe the k-pop explosion sure although i think that's too big to really be considered alternative 100 percent. but that's kind of why I, at the very least i respect this emo rap thing is yeah. it's really different so, okay, I have a question for you. Yeah. Who do you think is, like, the epitome of emo rap? Like, wh when you say emo rap, like, what artist comes to mind? Lil Peep, first of all. But I think... <laughs> is, he, is he the one that's dead? Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for bringing it dude. up. R.I.P. <laughs> like, Lil Peep, and I, but I think he comes to mind because he's dead, and that's unfortunately... And then it was, like, that was Yeah, sad. that's unfortunately just the way we work is to where someone dies, and then we all care about them, which is an issue I have, especially when it comes to music, yeah. of maybe not necessarily appreciating greatness as it's happening. Mm -hmm. But like him, or there's a guy, Wicca Phase Springs Eternal, who... Sorry, what were those words? <laughs> Wicca Phase Springs Eternal. Uh-huh. Who, like, for emo rap? Okay. Not, not bad. Did you know that... I'm sorry, this is so off topic, no, go but did it. you know that my downstairs neighbors are emo rappists? Rappers? Rappists. rappists? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they are rappists. And, and we, should, rip. And, and we should call the cops immediately. <laughs> Don't put this on the podcast. No, so... <laughs> yeah, my downstairs neighbors um, do emo rap. How is it? Um, it's like emo screamo rap. Which is you have my attention. Fascinating. <laughs> Two things I love. Um, I can't remember what their band is called. Yeah, we, I know, don't, we don't need to plug them. No, yeah. not at all. But I know one of the guy's names is Alt-N. <laughs> that is his name. It's on the mailbox in the lobby. Okay. That's such a bold move. Like, I, like right? celebrities crave their privacy. <laughs> and he just has his 
like stage name on his mailbox. But is it his stage name or is that his God-given birth name? Do you think that's his God-given birth name? I don't. What if his parents were just bored yeah. in the delivery Alt room? Dash N. <laughs> like, like what? What kind of keyboard shortcut yeah, is that? I was gonna say, do you guys got a hyphen on that birth certificate <laughs> keyboard? Like we're gonna uh, we're but, gonna be uh, crazy here. They exclusively play their email rap at about four to six a.m. every morning. Good. Yeah, it's, it's like an alarm tight. clock. Mm-hmm. It's Good. really great. Shakes the uh, apartment. So yeah. Well, that was lovely. Another thing that is lovely. I think this is maybe the <laughs> one. It's the one Vampire Weekend song that I think everybody knows. This is a punk off of the self-titled Vampire Weekend record. This is the song everybody knows. I think for me, and I don't remember the first time I heard it because believe it or not, I didn't see Step Brothers until like two years ago for the first time. I have not seen Step Brothers. Okay, so this is so in like, I'm not mad. This is in like one of the opening scenes of Step Brothers. Okay. So it and it works out great. I mean it's a great soundtrack song. Yeah. Um it but is. what it, it is oh, a good yeah. it, like I think all of these songs are good like soundtrack movie soundtrack songs for sure for sure but for me and I'm sure this was probably the first Vampire Weekend song I that, heard like, just because it was most everywhere everyone heard yeah first. well that's the yeah. thing is I think it was a gateway for a lot of people our age mm-hmm. into just different kinds of music yeah because Vampire Weekend was considered alternative but it mm-hmm. had this mainstream breakthrough and then from there again you discover bands like Matt and Kim right. or the Shins and then that leads you into a wormhole of maybe 90s bands and then from sure. there um you know the Smiths were a big one for me obviously that just it was all kind <laughs> of just this like uh this segue into these other artists and I think that's something that is maybe why Vampire Weekend resonates with us so specifically and people our age because I think for a lot of us it was our first kind of different band. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of flipped the script. I was a Matt and Kim oh, fan first. Really? How did you yeah. get into Matt and Kim? Honestly, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I think it was probably something that my older sister was listening to okay. so then I just picked up on it and then I listened Does to Does your Matt older sister listen to a lot of what you would consider cool music? Yeah, she. I mean, now, yeah, like she. She's always listened to music and known music like yeah. better than I ever have. Okay. Um, she was like, I went through my like emo music phase, like the Panic at the Disco, My Chemical Romance, all that, in like seventh and eighth grade because yeah. she was going through it in her sophomore and junior year of high school, right? A good time to go through that. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, I got it out of the way early. And yeah. I think that worked for me. And then high school, you just crushed it. Yeah, so I was like not sad and stuff. <laughs> um, Tally always says she peaked in high school, by the way. I did peak in high school. It's not a joke. Is I'm that something that about concerns it. you? It does concern me. Like, but why do you think you peaked? I don't know. Like, I was just having a good time. <laughs> just loving life. No, this year has been better. So I'm like, okay, maybe not. But also it's like... Doesn't everyone peak in high school? Like, isn't it just no. great to be a teenager? No. That's a really not it's shared not. opinion? Okay. No. Well, but were you were fun. you popular in high school? <sighs> you were a known commodity. I I wasn't... Okay, well, that's the thing. I went to a high school that's so different from everyone else's high school. Okay. Um, was it like the high school in Victorious? 
<laughs> I mean, everybody was singing in the hallways. No, not even a little bit. It was it, okay. It's a huge school. There's like four thousand kids in it, so each class is about a thousand kids, uh-huh. which is like a small college campus. Yeah, um, a medium college campus. Um, it's the biggest school under one roof in America, so it's just this huge building. Do you guys have a banner that says that? I feel like that would look good on a banner. Sh- you know what? I'm sure they do somewhere. Yeah. I haven't been to every part of the school because it's giant. Wow. Um, and it's just like a really good community. Like everyone's like very liberal, and like there's no type of like there's really like no bullying there. Like there were kids that like I mean there was like drama and issues and fights and stuff, but like the kids that wore tails, like we were all just like, okay, like do your thing, you know. <laughs> well, that's why that's why you don't like sad music because I don't think you had those formative high school experience. Like I listen to songs that are horribly sad now that like even given my current music taste are a little hard to listen to. Right. But I'm like, Did well, I... was it like you felt like no one knew you and no one understood how sad you were, and then you would listen to? Morrissey and be like, oh, he gets it. For like, yeah, a lot of that in high school was either Morrissey or the band AJJ, um, because Sean Bonnet, who's their singer, I think is similar to where he's funny and sad at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I know for me personally, like I had a very hard time expressing my emotions up Mm -hmm. until about my sophomore year of high school when I decided to make some life changes. So for me, even though maybe i had friends here and there although i truthfully say like i don't really feel like i had friends until i was about 16. sure like music was kind of the constant and a lot of that music changed throughout the years i mean there's stuff that i listened to um in high school that obviously like i'm embarrassed by now like there's stuff (laughs) that i would just never put on now but it did keep me company in a way that isn't like that isn't sad i'm not like depressed looking back on that but it it was just important i think that's part of the reason that just I mean, it's why I spend my time doing this. No, because, absolutely. Because, you know, I, music tells a story about someone, and I think you can learn a lot about people from what they decide to listen to. For sure. And I, like, genuinely understand that, and I fully respect that. I think for me, I I wasn't... Okay. Well, I, like, got into, like, my classic like depressive stage like way before a lot of my friends like it was I was going through it like rough like it peak it peaked in eighth grade okay that's when I was like clinically like I needed help yeah you know um and around that time I was listening to a lot of sad music I went more towards like Simon and Garfunkel sad. <laughs> the, this, than... the idea of like a horribly depressed eighth grader like sliding like their iPod Nano and it's Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> is such a weird thing to think about. Okay, but there I was, you know. Yeah. Um. But I also get that because like my sophomore year of high school, I got really into like 1930s folk music. Heck yeah. And I would have like my baseball coach. Would that makes up... me genuinely respect you more. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I would listen to that like before my baseball games, and my mm-hmm. coach would come up. He's like, "What do you got on there? Pantera, Metallica? What do you got?" Yeah. I was like, "Blind Willie McTell." Hell, sir. (laughs) Wabash Cannonball. (laughs) Oh my God, Taze. I hate you. No, okay. So I went through my sad phase like way earlier than people. So there was an aspect of like, oh, like I'm not able to like do regular human things, like get up and go to class and do my homework. And like, I'm just like not doing well. And like, it doesn't seem like any of my friends are experiencing that at all. So then I would turn to like some music you know but I also found music to be 
like instead of wanting to listen to sad music to feel like I was being heard, I'd want to listen to like good pump up like happier fast paced music to like escape this like weird thing where I didn't feel recognized. Yeah, you know? for sure. And then I think also for me, it's like I was a much more like visual person in terms of like media for a long time. So like I wanted I I would watch like sad videos and sad movies and I would like read sad things, but I didn't want that in my music for some reason, even though I know that that was like the place to get yeah. <laughs> sad and relatable feelings. There's a lot of that content out there. Yeah. I also think that music comes with this like essence of it wanting to be like poetic. Yeah. Especially like older sad music. And like, I just, I don't know why, like I wish I could like <laughs> love it and respect it and want it. But like, I just don't have time for that kind of thing. Like I just don't, I don't entertain those kinds of things. Like I put a lot of like importance into language and like, being very direct and explaining exactly how you feel and how you want to do things. And I just don't like metaphors like that all the time. So I've never liked poetry. So then it kind of like relates where I just don't really like music that's like considered poetry. As younger track four cape cod quasa quasa off of the first <laughs> vampire weekend record that's a real i can't make that up that's a real title and this is a song that i really like but it drifts dangerously into too pretentious for me really yeah i mean they're singing about louis vuitton and you know is your bed made is, is your sweater on it is a very pretentious song it's i mean like there's a like a a teenage romance element that i mm-hmm. that i really like to it it's just I just happen to hate these teenagers, and I don't <laughs> think I would have enjoyed their company. Okay, see, that's the thing. I, like, have a morbid fascination with those kinds of people of, like, really wealthy. They couldn't ask for anything more in life. Like, yeah. they're pretty, and they're, they're smart. They get an education. They're, you know, wanted and sought after, but they, like, don't, like, like their life, and they feel trapped. Like, because I think that's, like, a fascinating thing to think about. It's, like... You know, most of the world at any given moment is just fighting to, like, play in this, like, whole societal game. Yeah. But there are these, like, groups of people that have, like, already at birth won the game, you know, if they come from family money and things like that. But they still aren't satisfied. And it's just, like, then this concept of, like, are humans ever satisfied with anything? Like, would we ever get to a point, you know? And I know that's, like, deep. But, like, No, I mean, that's really interesting because I don't look at high society people I, I i especially don't look at high society like children and teenagers like right. that but i maybe it's just because i've never thought of it before right so that's that's an interesting angle to take so i just think it's like fascinating because i'm like well this one too it's like it's also like with the whole is your bed made is your sweater on like you know are you prim and proper the way you're 
parents taught you to be and yeah. then it's like do you want to like yeah do you, you, know? uh, 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 do you want to what do you want to what well and then... it's i find this song to be fascinating in that sense because it's looking at things from a sexual viewpoint that i don't think is often spoken about of this like high society type because right. if we want to compare it to like the strokes who i mentioned earlier sure like the strokes are maybe subliminally sexual mm -hmm. but it's in this very like bad boy kind of way and exactly. i think that's what most of rock music has been oh yeah and it's a jarring shift to hear just this like cleanliness in this yeah. purity even if it's not about a pure topic right the mix the song everything about this is <laughs> there's a pure a purity to it right like that, a frat boy sex instead of like a bad boy yeah sex. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's just a little fascinating uh, of me uh, fascinating to me to hear such a thing right there's also a thing in this song that they do a few times throughout the record because in oxford comma they mentioned Lil John and how he always tells the truth, <laughs> yeah. which I, you know, if you're going to say one thing about Lil John, he, he, tell, he tells the truth. Hey, yeah. He tells the truth. He and does. And then here they mentioned Peter Gabriel. Yeah. And this is the first time I kind of remember artists just referencing things that are out there mm -hmm. because most art exists in its own universe. Yeah, where it's like setting the guidelines for its own world. Yeah, and it's, I almost feel like, in some respects, it's impolite to, like, bring people into that world. Right. But we've really seen it take off. And now, like, one of my complaints with contemporary rap mm -hmm. is a lot of it is just, like, listing proper Name nouns. dropping, like, yeah. Like, it's just like a basketball player to get to a word that rhymes with the last name. Sure. And it's very uncomfortable for right. me. But there's something here that's like charming because, mm -hmm. again, I haven't heard a lot of it unless yeah. you're like Eminem and that's your whole deal. <laughs> sure. But there, other than that, there's not a lot of similarities between Vampire Weekend and Eminem. Yeah. Uh, very white. Skin color. Yeah. Very white, <laughs> but in like different kinds of whiteness. So different. Yeah. Um, no, but I think that's the thing is like these guys like I don't know how they do it, but I love it. It's just like they are wealthy. They went to Columbia. They obviously vacation in Cape Cod. They got polos. They've got boat shoes on. They're Sperry's or whatever. And yet, like, they can just do this stuff and we're all just like, oh, they're just like silly college kids, like doing whatever they want, you know, and singing about stupid things and it none of it's actually like super important like i like it you know yeah uh, there is a part of this record that feels very juvenile and yeah. not in a not in a dumb way like no. i think that's part of what's interesting is there were smart kids yeah and we don't really hear a lot of that no like the, i think yeah i think it's like kids that are like bred to be a certain way and do a certain type of thing and they're actually just like making weird music like it's weird music and yeah. they're but they're, like, having fun with it, and I think there's, like, an authenticity about that that, like, makes it so okay that they're, like... <laughs> Strange. Maybe, like, coming from the category of people that everyone else considers assholes, you know? For sure. Speaking of strange, uh, the last song on the A side of the record, this is M79. It's gonna take a little time While you're waiting like a factory line I'll ride across the park Backseat on the 79 Wasted days you come to pass So go, I know you would not stay It wasn't true, but anyway Pollination, yeah, no cap Hallie, 
your yes. thoughts on the last song of the A-side. Okay, M79. I'm going to be real with you. This album came out in 2008. Eight. That's what I was going to say, but I didn't want to sound stupid, so That's I let okay. you finish for me. <laughs> um, because I'm a woman. Okay, I do not co-sign. <laughs> it's not, not you a better part of keep that in this. <laughs> um, anyway. As I was saying, Case hates me because I'm a woman. Not, and... not true. Not accurate. Not what I was saying. Off mic. Not even close. Uh, Tally said she had a story on M79. I'd like to hear it without being personally attacked. Uh, Case, this is the nicest I've been to you for like a, for like a while. Frightening. Anyway. <clears throat> Let me cough real quick. Um, okay, so M79. This album came out in 2008. I started listening to it. I was nine years old when it came out. Mm -hmm. I probably started consistently listening to Vampire Weekend when I was like 11. Okay. Um, and so it was a couple of years, but I have been listening it, to it for almost 10 years at this point, yeah. right? M79 somehow escaped out of all of the Vampire Weekend music I listened to. Yeah. And I didn't hear it for the first time until two years ago really freshman year of college here at columbia do you remember why you heard it yeah i remember exactly when i heard it i was on the bus which is like it's a song about a, a bus it's about a bus yes. it's a sign um <laughs> i was on a bus coming going back to oh my god no it wasn't even freshman year it was sophomore year because i lived off campus so it yeah. was the last year that i first heard this song that's been out for 11 years at, at the time 10 years yeah but yeah. 11 years now yeah um i was on a bus back <laughs> coming home from therapy uh because i'm sad as we <laughs> Cl clinically discussed legally clinically, sad legally sad i have i'm legally deemed as a sad person hey we should start a band called legally sad legally sad <sighs> But they would be sad music, and I'm not on board for that. Okay, fine. Um, I was on the bus, and I, I was coming home, and I was just shuffling Vampire Weekend songs. And usually I'll like pick which album I want to listen to. Mm -hmm. But I was like, ah, I'm up for anything at this point. So I was shuffling all of their dis discography. Bingo. <laughs> Nailed it. Kind of so smart. <laughs> um, and it popped up, and I was like, why? I, I like recognized it because it sounds so much like all of their first album and i was like but i don't know this song and i like loved it and i and it became like my favorite and my go-to for so long because it was like i mean that's like it sucks that i like didn't know it for years but at the same time like what a gift to myself that i like like this one album because there are other other albums like modern vampires in the city contra and especially um father of the bride that just came out yes don't sound quite like their first album you know like their first album i feel like was even more experimental than any of their other following albums like i, I don't know what it is but like they're i mean v modern vampires of the city and contra are still a little bit more Va father of the bride it feels like a whole new sound it's yeah it's i i never really got into it because right. it, like i it's respect not, what they're doing as artists but it's not what i want from vampire it's not weekend. the vampire weekend vibe right yeah which, I mean, I still listen to the complete album, and I absolutely love it, and I saw them already in concert for it. But, um, and it has a couple of, like, really good, like, refreshing, like, oh, this is that classic Vampire Weekend sound. But nothing had been, like, quite as, like, immersive in that sound since that album, and I, like, knew that album back and forth, <laughs> so I thought. Yeah, so you thought. And then I was just, like, given this one song where that I just somehow missed, 
I'm sure I've heard it once or twice before, but I didn't recognize it the way I recognize every other song on the album. So it was just like a little gift of like, oh, here's that like classic sound you like knew and love, like you know and love. And like, here it is like now when you like can really appreciate it. And I like needed that. Like I loved that I found that song like last year. <laughs> okay, beautiful story. Thank Glad you. Glad you shared it. Are my, you about to... My least favorite song on the album. No! Yeah. It, That's so upsetting, so, Case. So Cape Cod, like, plays with, like, pretension <laughs> in a way that uh -huh. is strange, but I'm, like, kind of okay with it. Sure. Uh, musically, this song is too much for me. Really? I can't handle the, like, the jangly strings. And, like, it, I just feel like I'm, like, watching Beethoven Lives Upstairs or something. <laughs> it's very much just pretentious. And... I'm cool with that to an extent, but it's not. It, I I am embarrassed listening to this song. Oh my god! Because I don't. I don't. Pace? Well, I don't think it represents who I am. My whole heart. Okay, well that's fine. Yeah. Because you like Morrissey. Okay, not everything's about him. <laughs> well, you've name dropped him like six times already. It's probably the we least. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know. Okay, here's. Here's a big opinion that I have that I, I don't know if you're going to agree with. Okay, it. go ahead. I feel like music tends to follow the pattern of either having a complex music score with simple lyrics or a simple score with complex lyrics. And I think Vampire Weekend is like, fuck that. We're going to have a really complicated score and a really complicated set of lyrics. And like, it's going to feel like chaotic almost. Okay. But it, it like works and it works for me like really well. Like I don't I'm not like someone who like really likes like noise and chaotic music like um Thundercat. Thundercat's not like really my thing. Yeah, you for know? sure. Um I mean I respect him fully. That's crazy what he does. Um but that's not usually my thing. I like things that I can follow and kind of like feel and understand. But Vampire Weekend is very complex. Like in terms of everything they do they use words that i've never heard of and they use sounds that i haven't heard in other songs ever you know and so like and i am just like so drawn to that like i just love that what do you think i do you think i'm right do you think no i think i think you make a lot of good points i am someone that prefers maybe simplistic music with complex mm -hmm. lyrics because i i just i care about lyrics more than anything right. else because i come from not just not not to say that I'm a writer, right? But I I don't play instruments, but I do write. Yeah, you are a writer. I would say you're a writer. I'm keeping that soundbite for later. <laughs> That's gonna be Me, a huge ego I, boost. I tally dooly believe that Case is considered a writer, a comedian, and a radio star. Wow. Yeah. Um, I appreciate Jerk that. Jerk off to that later. <laughs> you I like that you said that, that into the, the microphone too. It's the closest I've been to the microphone. <laughs> borderline ASMR. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, that's awful. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. I just, I don't, I don't vibe with the song. I, I get it. I get it. I totally understand. It is one of my faves. And it, and it was like my favorite for a long time, but now the list has switched up for my current being. But we'll get to that yeah, later. Yeah, we'll get to that. Well, that is the end of the A side. If you're listening. <laughs> Sorry, is... say that again. I coughed. That is the end of the A-side. If you are listening on Wax, now is the time to flip the record, and we'll be back in just a second.
Naysayers will inevitably take issue with Vampire Weekend's privileged upbringing, but they're actually no posher than most of the hoorays who patrol the London indie scene. And they're a damn sight more inventive about how they channel their educational advantage into writing smart and original pop music. It's true that most of Vampire Weekend's songs seem to take place in a whitewashed Ivy League world, where Blake and Walcott are acceptable Christian names, but singer Ezra Koning is more Holden Caulfield than Fraser Crane, spearing the boars and the phonies in a language that's too worldly and witty to resist. Four stars out of five, NME. Campus, that is the first song on side B. Um, super fun. I love Campus. Yeah, this is one of those that, like, I don't like the way Mansard Roof opens the album. I kind of wish A-Punk opened the album instead. <sighs> of course you do. But this is a perfect side B opener, because this is upbeat, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I fully agree. It's like, Tally and I both have the experience of going to a non-traditional college but this mm-hmm. song kind of makes me feel like I'm, like, kicking it in the quad or something. Dude, exactly. Yeah, and it would make sense. I mean, the song is called Campus. Right. And it's upbeat. But I'm like, where's that Frisbee at? Sure. Yeah. And, like, I think I, that's what I literally wrote down for this song is I said, it's like a movie. Like, you can see what's happening in this song. Like, it's, like, made its own music video in your head. Completely. And I love that. For sure. I think that's great. And, like, it would, like, work so seamlessly into, like, a movie, but it's also so, like, good independently as a song. That's a good point is, I mean, they really do tell almost these narrative-like stories, but I wouldn't want to see them necessarily played out because they're so literal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very interesting just way that they write because there's a lot of musicians that write and I would like to see it visualized, but Mm -hmm. Vampire Weekend tells... It's a complete story. And I think part sure. of that is what you go back to earlier about it's it's complex musically and right. complex lyrically. Yeah. I do think, especially in this record, because I, I prefer this record to their other work, it they really tell like a full story here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Cool. Well this is Brynn, this is the next song off of the self titled Vampire Weekend record. I am displacement won't work in the basement, especially when I'm not with you. Here in the heartland. Bryn is a song that I feel like doesn't need to be on the record. <gasps> You're literally hurting me. You're it, crushing me. So I complained about the track list earlier, and part of my complaint is this song is 11, or this album is 11 songs, yeah. and I like records that have 10 songs. Well, I, I just like records that have a clean 10 songs. Okay. It's a fantastic song. I could do without the song. Oh my god, that I, literally like hurts me. So like, because I don't, I don't like M79, 
but it has a place on this record. I understand sure. why it's there. This song is like not as upbeat and catchy as say a punk it sure. doesn't have as strong of a narrative as say walcott which we'll hear in just a little bit you know what give, tell, tell, give it to me like it tell, tell me tell it to you me like me it to is. tell you like it is yeah joe rogan may all right you don't like love songs ever since you broke up with your girl. like to publicly apologize <laughs> for what i said um about Bryn. i just think it's a very beautiful love song and it has a great melody and i uh love it a lot okay so now that the gun is away from your head <laughs> so one blake has got a new face again not one of my favorites on the album Daddy. but i understand why it's on here i i respect this song more than I like it because to me this song is kind of like a giant middle finger to the rest of the album and maybe a precursor of what's to come in their later work because it's just like here's here's what we want to do and yeah. it's I not that this album makes compromises anywhere but this feels like they had one very specific vision that was executed exactly the way they wanted it to and I really respect that I understand what you're saying I think it fits in seamlessly. I think it's definitely like how they sound. I mean, I think it's a different side to things. Like it's not quite the same like Afro punk like beats as like Cape Cod or A Punk, but I don't know. I think it's fun. Like I think it's one of those songs that I like because like I know that he didn't really mean anything by this song. Like he said in some interview somewhere that he had the melody first and then his girlfriend introduced him to one of her like high school friends and his name was Blake and then it just popped into his head and then he just sang about Blake has a new face you know and it's just like dumb and yeah. I like that yeah well that's I mean that's again I, I I think we're on the same page there to where it's just it's what they wanted to do yeah 100% which I think is very cool very authentic yeah so next up is a song that I wasn't super familiar with. I had heard it maybe a time or two before okay. I started like diving into this album for this podcast. This is I Stand Corrected off of the first Vampire Weekend record. You've been checking on my facts and I admit I have been lax in double screening what I say wasn't funny anyway I stand corrected I stand so I alluded earlier that this was a song that I wasn't too familiar with, but as I started listening to it for this podcast, it didn't become my favorite song on the album, but it became a one of my favorites on this album. 
I love this song. See, even when we can agree on an artist, like we both like Vampire Weekend. Yeah. Me probably more than you, but we both like them. Yeah. Within our opinions on the songs of the album, it is clear that we have like such differences is in taste. Is this not like does this not do it for you? This I this okay, I love this song. Okay. I genuinely like every song on this album mm-hmm. like a lot. Yeah. And I listen to the album fully all the time. This is probably my most skipped one. This is a song I've been like I've had it on repeat all week. I can't believe you. I well I I like drum led songs and there's almost okay. there's almost no strings in this or at least if there are they're down in the mix it's, i love strings it's a i i do too but i'm i love these songs i mean this is a song built off of a drum beat sure that i just find very compelling when it's done in this kind of way and then i i'm really into the lyrics and just because <laughs> it's so, it's so different like blake's got a new face is very different, but maybe in the direction that I almost feel like inspired Father of the Bride, or at least maybe yeah. helped them get there. It was kind of like I maybe the that. first step in the bridge. This, I mean, this sounds like, I mean, maybe some stuff off of Contra, but it's kind of just the, I mean, it completely stands alone on this album yeah. of what they were going for, and I think that's super cool. So to me, this is one of my favorites. I just, I don't. I mean, to be honest, it's a little slow and it's a little sad, and that's not the kind of stuff I like. Perhaps it's because I use the phrase, I stand corrected so often. Because <laughs> you're always wrong. Because I'm always confronting women with my opinion, <laughs> and then they use facts to prove me wrong. Why do you say that like you're mad at the women when it's your fault? Okay, here's what I'll say. I think I Stand Corrected would fit in so much better in mon- modern Vampires of the City. Okay. I don't think it's a self-titled album kind of song. I think that's why I like it so much, but I also see your point. Thank you. Yeah. Don't you know that it's insane? Don't you want to get out of Cape Cod? Out of Cape Cod tonight. Walcott is my favorite song on the record. It's so good. It is so good. Because I think it's... It's never bad. It's never bad. It's a mix of, I think, everything they do well put uh-huh. into one song. It on Entirely. Yeah. Do you know the origin story of Walcott? Give it to it's me. It's amazing. Um, Walcott is actually the first song they wrote. It wasn't the first song they like released. That's Mansard Roof, and you said all that. I did. Um, but Walcott is the first song they wrote. <laughs> so, okay. It's confusing. But Vampire Weekend... The name of the band comes from Ezra was Caning. Caning, Coning, Caning, whatever. whatever. Ezra Caning uh, had a weekend vacation in Cape Cod when he was like younger with his family and he was gonna make a short film that weekend about vampires and how he needed to you're rolling your eyes. Yeah, well this is just I mean I This don't... is my favorite thing about them. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> Sorry I coughed. Okay, he was in Cape Cod, and he was going to make a short film about how vampires were starting to take over, and he needed to rush and get out of the Cape Cod area to go warn, like, the mayor before their demise. They filmed, like, this, like, trailer intro on the first day, and it's still on YouTube, and you can watch it, and it's honestly really funny. Um, 
and then they just never did it again because they were like this is stupid <laughs> so they didn't record it um but then they made their band and all this stuff they were gonna play this first show at their college and they didn't have a name and the name of the movie was going to be vampire weekend so then they just grabbed that so then walcott if you like look at the lyrics or listen to the lyrics whatever if you can hear them <laughs> understand them because <laughs> sometimes you really can't <laughs> um it's literally the plot of the movie yeah like it's about that whole like vampire movie and i think that's so funny and i love it i love it it's uh it's very very good and i think that's all that really needs to be said on it yeah 100%. yeah so finally the last so- last song rather on the record the kids don't stand a chance off of the first vampire weekend album Kids Don't Stand a Chance, I feel like it's an appropriate closer. Yeah. Oh, as a closer, 100%. I really like it. Yeah, I think it just works with really the entire motive of the album and just everything they're going for. It it works out and they end with kind of a bigger jam that is just a nice farewell song. I, I complained, like when we talked about Weezer's Pinkerton, about how much I hated the last song and how it <laughs> just like bummed me out because it wasn't... I'm sure Jake was thrilled with that he we we came to a mutual agreement on it actually it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't too bad but like i a lot of it to me like i think openers are important i want my opener of an album to say something i think the closer is is second to that of i it just needs to fulfill some sort of narrative in for me and Mm -hmm. i think this does Yeah. yeah i think yeah i think it's a very good it's like a song that would be playing at the close of a movie. Yes, exactly. So it, like, feels Yeah, right. it fits with the entire album, you know. There's, you know, Campus is like a soundtrack, and it starts mm-hmm. the second side of the record. It's like a rebirth, and A-Punk yeah. is, you know, this young kind of early-on energy, and then we have this, which I think really works. So that's right. the first Vampire Weekend record. We went track by track through that. Out of 10, what would you rate out this album? Out of 11. Album? Oh, out of 10 yeah, on out the of, album. yeah. Out of 10, how would I rate this album? Okay, well, that's a hard question. In relation to their other albums, in relation to my favorite albums. If you had to rate the record, let's say you're reviewing it for some journalistic outlet. Okay. But you are responsible for rating this record. Okay. Okay, so for the general public, I would say it's a 7. A seven for me personally. Yeah, like my taste, and if I was talking to people that had similar tastes to me, I would say a nine. Okay, that's I will we'll use. So we can average it eight if you'd like. Well, yeah, I think that's <laughs> yeah. If we want to, you know, take the median. See, yeah. here's the thing. I again know that I come from the type of person that has one, a not a very expansive music taste, and two, none of my opinions seem to match each other. You know, like with you, you know a lot about music, even the kind of music you don't like. I don't even know a lot about the music I love. (laughs) That's a really interesting quote. I like that (laughs) a lot. I don't. So I know that for the general public, there's going to be a lot of people who really don't like this sound. 
for sure. I think it's still good and very respectable. So that's why I wouldn't give it like a five. Yeah. So I think it's like a good solid album that people like. So, so seven. If it if it makes you feel any better, our Lords and Savior at Pitchfork. Pitchfork. When this album came out, they one they rated it best new music, which means yeah. it got a little red banner on the website for whatever Heck that's yeah. worth. They gave it an eight point eight out of ten. Okay. So Pitchfork, I mean they. Vampire Weekend is a band built for Pitchfork. Right. Everything they've ever done, Pitchfork has loved. 100%. And I would give it that 8.8, like, same, but I'm considering the people that aren't Pitchfork music type of people. Yeah, good people. Well, I, 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 <laughs> Technically, I, yeah. Don't, don't, don't strike me down, Lord Pitchfork. Lord Pitchfork. Of course. So you were right on the money in saying that maybe this isn't the record for everyone because right. I was doing some diving on the internet. And part of what I wanted to do, just because Vampire we- Vampire Weekend, like I mentioned earlier, represented, at least this album, such a specific time on the internet when we were kind of just figuring out the more social aspects mm-hmm. of it. So I wanted to find some blog reviews of this record just to get a sense of what was going on at the time. And I happened sure. to find this great blog review from right. a blog that is still up there um, Let me hear it. Get off my lawn kid dot blogspot dot com. Oh, okay. And Oof. this was a reoccurring, I guess, article he would write mm-hmm. called "Bands That Suck Balls." Okay. See, I'm just gonna stop you right there. People who use and like genuinely and seriously, not in an ironic way, use the phrase "suck balls," are like genuinely my least favorite kind of people. So. I see where you're coming from, but I kind of fell in love with this blog because, 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 uh-huh. because there is a recklessness to his entire blog, because I read it for a long time. I'm sure you that did. That is missing from the internet currently. Okay. And as someone that pays attention to a lot of the writing that's on there, I'm not saying shitting on everything is the way to go. I think after a while that gets really old and there right. are music podcasts out there that their whole thing is to shit on everything and i'm very bored by that mm-hmm. but there is something like unapologetic about this review and it's just so clearly one guy and his voice mm-hmm. that i do think is missing from some of like long form discourse because like you had your general public rating which is sure. unfortunately i think the direction that a lot of writing goes in now Which is, how do I appeal to the masses? Yeah, and, you know, I can have a hot take, but it can't be too hot, because if it's too hot, then Twitter gets a hold of it, and then it becomes a whole thing, which is a bummer. It's just not the way that I think a lot of this discourse should go. So here is an excerpt from getoffmylawnkid.blogspot.com under the bands that suck balls category. (laughs) His Vampire Weekend Review. This technically came out in 2010 after their second record, but I think it's worth mentioning here. If you're currently a hipster attending an Ivy League university, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're an upper-class white kid who spends 70% of his time at the library and the other 30% in coffee shops discussing philosophy and art. In other words, you're severely lacking in rad and have no business in the world of rock and roll. My God. Rock and roll is for high school dropouts with substance abuse problems who <gasps> couldn't color coordinate a stage outfit to save their ass. Not amateur filmmakers and art history majors in colorful sweaters. So please don't let Vampire Weekend be an inspiration to you. They suck balls. And your, and your aspiring yuppie hipster band probably does too. Stick to debating Warhol paintings with your homies and hand your guitar to somebody that isn't completely a lame dipshit like yourself. Oh End quote. 
my god i disagree with that fundamentally in every single way yeah i'm not saying i agree with it i just think it's worth mentioning that this is the vibe vampire weekend was giving off to a large <laughs> chunk of the world okay here's my like big thing i know that vampire weekend maybe they personally um described themselves as a rock band maybe the gods above pitchfork described them as a rock band we love you um <laughs> don't hurt us <laughs> um or like some someone else i don't know yeah somebody was They're somebody somewhere band. was like you're a rock band i don't know if i would consider them a rock band what would you consider them i don't know well, I it's, think it's so different easy, from anything i think it's easy to lump four right. white guys into okay. a rock band category absolutely but if we think about that then and we think about all of the bands that have ever been considered rock bands like there are so many variants there you yeah. know what i mean and i'm so tired of this like these older people being like you don't even know what rock is you don't even know what punk is it's like our whole generation sorry i'm starting to get no get on your soapbox here this is this is if there's any show to do it this is the show (laughs) um sorry i'm looking for this like one quote that i made me mad but okay our generation is like very like anti-norm and we and we are like brazen and like we're blunt and we're very like rushed in like a lot of the things we do and and i know that this has probably come up before in your podcast about how like we both study comedy and like the people that you you haven't talked about it hasn't it hasn't come up okay well personal life (laughs) on or off mic case low is a comedy writing and performance major with a minor probably in radio correct cool um and i we were just talking um off mic about this one class that i'm taking where it's like the interaction between comedy and social justice and in case you're allowed to cut all of this out but i'm going on a tangent go Um, for it but we were just talking about how like jokes used to be so easy and it was like that was because people hadn't made these jokes yet and i feel like that has a parallel to like rock was like considered this one thing because it was like the first time people were were doing these things and then it's like now it's been going on for years both rock and comedy you know for like a long time so now we've come to the era of like all of these jokes all of these styles have been used up and it's like it's kind of rested on the shoulders of like our generation and like the couple before and the couple after us to like start a new wave. And I feel like with comedy, it's become this like very like not necessarily self-deprecating. Like I feel like self-deprecation has turned more into like relatability, like talking personally, making up like things and jokes and commentary on your own life because that's the only thing that is not touchable from other people. Like, you're the only one that knows about your life and your experience. So that's, like, one original thing you can make content of. But in the same way, like, rock has to be different now, you know? And there's, I don't know, like, who was considered, like, rock these days because I feel like the older generation made it seem like it was one way and one style of being. So, like, now people aren't rock because they don't want to just copy those styles. That's a very interesting point that i think kind of circles back to what alternative was i think i that's something i need to go home and sit and think about which i will do for hours and hours on end because i i that just i don't have an immediate response to that that just opens my eyes to maybe a new line of thought but what i do want to know from you is tally came in prepared she came in with a one to eleven list of her favorite songs on this record (laughs) and we're going to hear that now 
Okay. Do you want me to start from the bottom? Or the... I'm going to start from the bottom. Yeah, start from the bottom, and, now, and then we'll get here. Okay. My number 11, my least favorite, and I'm saying least favorite, but it's still like a favorite. No, you're good. Go ahead. Over a bunch of things. Like, I want to make this clear. Like, I'm not one of those people that is like, I don't like this for this reason, so I hate it now. It's like, I love all these songs, but this is my order currently, and this changes all the time. Number 11, A-Punk. <laughs> just just rattle through them. I'll, I'll react at the end. Okay. I know you're upset about that. No, I'm not upset. Just go ahead. Just <laughs> just finish. Well, you sound a little upset. No, case. just just, just crazy. go just go and talk. Okay. Number 11 is A-Punk. Number 10, I Stand Corrected. Number 9, Oxford Comma. Number 8, The Kids... Oh, sorry. Cape Cod, Kawasa Kawasa. Number 7, The Kids Don't Stand a Chance. Number 6, Campus. Number 5, Mansard Roof. Number four, Blake's Got a New Face. Number three, Bryn. Number two, M79. And number one, Walcott. So just to compare, my number 11, M79. <laughs> and my that's my number two. My number 10, Bryn. Which number is my three. number three. Number nine, Blake's Got a New Face. Which is my four. Uh, Kids Don't Stand a Chance would be my number eight. That's also my number eight. Campus at number seven. That's my six. Mansard Roof at five. That's my second one. Oh, no, no, no. That's my five. Yeah, that's my five. Is that my five? No, that's my six. I'm sorry. Okay. And then Oxford comma is my five. Oxford comma is my ninth. Cape Cod is my four. Uh, that's my seven. I stand corrected is my three. <laughs> that's my 11. No, a- my my 10. A-Punk is my two. A-Punk is my 11. Yeah, so we went reverse order on those. And then sure. Wal- Walcott's my number so one. So I'm, I'm glad that we can both agree that Walcott is like the song. Yeah, really great. <clears throat> Everything else we completely disagree with. I yeah, I saw um, Vampire Weekend in concert for the first time. Ooh, uh, this past summer, um, it was on Father's Day and it was cold out, um, and they played most of their new album, all of their new album. I think it's not a ton of songs. They played he played a couple of like Peter Gabriel songs and mm-hmm. he cu- played a couple of like Paul Simon songs. I think. Um, and then he played some stuff from Contra and some stuff from Modern Vampires. And then for his second encore, uh, he did this thing where he went into the, he would like ask people in the crowd. He would only, he would get requests of their songs and he would only choose people that had bucket hats on. Okay. I did not have a bucket hat. Um, I bet you felt like a fool. (laughs) Damn fool. Um, one kid with a bucket hat asked for, um, Blake's got a new face. That was a fun one. Um, and I was just really like desperately wishing someone would do Walcott. Like I just wanted to hear it so bad. Um, and then another person asked, I think for like Hannah Hunt, something like that. And then they were like, okay, this is going to be our official last song. Like we don't like, we're not taking any more requests, but we want to play out with this one. And they started playing Walcott Mm. and at this point it was like kind of raining and it was cold so a lot of people had left um because it was also their second encore so like (laughs) (laughs) so they were milking it a little bit they were milking it for sure and this was at northerly island northerly island okay yeah the pavilion um so we were outdoors um so we were like kind of not we weren't in the general like standing area we were like in some seats but they were just like Mm, fuck it and they opened it up like the security guards opened it up so mm-hmm. then everyone just kind of went into the general standing yeah and i was like close to the right side so we just kind of like 
me and my older sister that's who went we just like snuck in and we were like right in front of the stage that's awesome and then they were playing walcott and i was like this is like my favorite song that's awesome world (laughs) so that was a little bit why it's my like number one i mean it's always been one of my number ones i really like it you know when i saw morrissey (laughs) and that's all the time we have this isn't my podcast but i'm closing it out (laughs) so tally before we go yes my sir who right now needs to hear this album I think this album needs to be heard by pe- by young people in high school or in college. And I think it needs to be heard by the people that are sad. And I think instead of turning to sadder music that makes them <laughs> more sad and more reflective and, you know, I know there's solace and there's solace and there's relatability in that. But at the same time, like this feels authentic without bringing you down and i feel like this was like a very defining like art for me and i feel like this album in general like really helped me think about like young adulthood and adolescence and like the complicated parts of it while also being just like fun for sure and happy so i think it's just like a good album for younger people and i don't mean that older people can't love it um i'm sure i'll love it into my adulthood my full adulthood yeah i just i think there's something so captivatingly young about it no i i completely agree with that so tally what do you have to plug um every uh thursday at the annoyance theater in chicago in chicago (laughs) Every Thursday in Chicago at the Annoyance Theater, I perform with the Columbia College Improv Team Drop-In Science. Um, I occasionally do funny things online. Follow my Instagram, at Tally Dooley, T-A-L-L-Y-D-U-L-L-Y. That's my real name. Um, Yeah, and unfollow Case. That's actually what I would like. Thank you. Cool way to end the show. Yep. (laughs) You can follow us at Art School Albums on both Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can uh, also follow me on Twitter at underscore Case Low, and we can talk there. don't. Thank you for listening, as always. You turned my mic off. And we will be back (laughs) next week with another episode of Art School Albums. Screw you.